0: One friend was telling another of a large inner city school where she worked as a secretary for a number of years. The school served a very deprived area, one rife with social problems. The hard working and dedicated staff strove to maintain a level of discipline that will enable them to teach and the children to learn. But it was an uphill struggle and staff absences through stress-related illness was commonplace. But, said the school secretary, there is one member of staff who never seems to have any difficulty and she teaches RE, not the children's favourite subject. She's one of the youngest teachers we have and she's quite petite and quiet. You hardly notice her in the staff room. Most teachers find they have to call the school patrol at least once a term. They're a group who walk the corridors and who can be called on if things get a bit out of hand in the classroom. But this teacher has never had to call them. And when she's in the classroom, you never hear a sound out of place, even with the toughest of classes. Most of the lads tower over her, but she never even raises her voice. She has them eating out of her hands. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. My opening story this morning connects with our Bible passage today from Mark chapter 1 verses 21 to 28. These verses in Mark are set at the start of Jesus' ministry in a Capernaum synagogue on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, And he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed So that, so that they questioned among themselves saying, who is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region of Galilee. Firstly, let's put this passage into context. Mark's Gospel is action-packed and moves from one scene to another. It's immediately this and immediately that. Now this and now that. This is a fast-moving narrative. Jesus has been baptised by John. There's the voice of God the Father in verse 14. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit has descended upon Jesus in fullness, the three persons of the Trinity together. Jesus begins to hit the gospel, proclaiming the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. His first four disciples are called and immediately go after him. No wonder the demons cried out. I've given today's talk the title, The Authority of Jesus. For Jesus has complete authority in this situation, as teacher and authorized exorcist, and he does today, despite whatever we see around us. So, are we accepting his authority in our lives and trusting that he is in complete control? To be honest for me, I'm struggling with world events and I know many of you are too. Where is this all leading? Are we near the time of tribulation and Jesus' return? We have to be ready and right with the Lord, trusting that he knows the end from the beginning and that if we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's Psalm 91. Now the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 4 says, He came and dwelt in Capernaum. Jesus made Capernaum the headquarters of his Galilean ministry, a seaside town on the main road to Damascus. And verse 16 of Matthew chapter 4 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. So the people of this place were living in spiritual darkness. Are we currently living in spiritual darkness in this country? As a nation and a church, are there things that we need to repent of? Have we turned our back on the Lord and put our hope in something or someone else? Are we pointing people to the light of the world, to Jesus? for whom we have forgiveness of sins by his death on the cross and assurance of salvation to all who put their hope in him. So let us now look at his authority. The synagogue leaders could invite anybody they felt was competent to teach, and Jesus was invited despite not being a recognised teacher. But what a difference. He spoke with authority... So what was that difference? In his own authority, Jesus tells people what God's will is and how the kingdom of God is coming. The local scribes, however, didn't teach like Jesus. They repeated what others said. Moses said this, or Rabbi X said this. Jesus' teaching and authority would have been compelling. In verse 22, they were struck with astonishment and dumbfounded by his teaching. And Jesus spoke words of healing when people's lives were in a real mess. Isn't that where we find people today and our own lives too? Lives that are caught up in drink, drugs, pornography, sexual sin, greed and fear. I could go on. These things eat away at us and can get into like the unclean spirit who possessed the man in today's passage. But Jesus has the authority and offers healing. He is the answer. We need to place our hope in him and listen to his teaching through his word, be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be transformed into his likeness. Are we willing to let Jesus touch our lives. So we display the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as a side note, you'll often notice that some people miss off self-control when quoting the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus teaches and he interprets the law. Let's not forget that Jesus was the perfect Torah-observant Jew. In his teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, you have heard it, but I say, which often gives the impression that Jesus either went against the scripture or against the rabbinic opinion of, this, of his time. But this was not the case at all. Probably a better translation would be, yet I say to you, Jesus was actually teaching what the scriptures communicate. Jesus' teaching was certainly different. No wonder they were astonished. He had authority. He is God. So are we disciples of Jesus or some other God that denies or replaces the God of the Old Testament? Let's not forget that Jesus, part of the Godhead, was fully in agreement with everything that God did in the Older Testament. Jesus is God and man and we must be careful we don't deny Jesus as Lord by detaching him from the Older Testament or the Tanakh. Notice that Jesus' presence, teaching, words and deeds were a threat to the forces that claimed authority over people's lives. They had something to lose. And so immediately this happened, verses 23 and 24. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out, let us alone. What have we do to, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Many people dismiss the idea of unclean spirits or demons as superstition and suggest Jesus was just accommodating their beliefs at the time. But the Bible does not allow this view, making it clear the writers of the scriptures and Jesus himself accepted the reality of demons. And I can speak from personal experience of what I have witnessed too. But here Jesus uses his authority over them as a sign that he has brought the kingdom of God near. The unclean spirit did recognise who Jesus was, the Holy One of God. And the writer of Hebrews says the main reason for Jesus' coming was this, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where it says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. No wonder there is alarm from the principalities of darkness. Another interesting thing I noted here was that the man said, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. He speaks in the plural, us, and then in the singular. Are the powers of darkness speaking through this man? They are certainly alarmed, trembling, and resent the intrusion into their domain. There is a fearful acknowledgement that their doom is sealed. Jesus' sheer presence has upset the order. He has crossed an established boundary. So the response from the man is immediately. But what should we expect? What did we expect? Jesus has the authority. His response is sharp and a rebuke, verse 25. Be quiet and come out of him. There's no conversation to be had. It's shut up and get out. We certainly should not engage with the powers of darkness. There's no room for testimony from the demon. Jesus' words are few. There's no prayer, no formula, no props, just Commands. Jesus has the authority, and Jesus uses the same author- and Paul uses the same authority in Acts sixteen verse sixteen, where he commands an unclean spirit in the name of Jesus to come out of the girl who is possessed with a spirit of divination, and we have authority in Jesus' name. Jesus is in control and the enemy knows it, let us not forget it. We may do well to tell the devil to depart in Jesus' name whenever he whispers something in our ear. And finally, the reaction. Let us look at the different reactions to his authority and challenge ourselves about how we react to him. Now Mark makes no, gives no information of what happens to the evil spirit once it's disembodied, other than the fact that it first made a big fuss, causing the man to convulse involuntarily, and then it's gone. There's amazement at the exorcism from the crowds in the synagogue, verse 27. What is this? What new doctrine is this? for with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. So what is the result of Jesus' teaching and exorcism? Well, the people would have recognised the power of the Holy Spirit in him and his authority. And that was the word that would have spread throughout the region. The word immediately is used again in this fast-moving account in the day, Of the life of Jesus. In verses 21 to 28, Jesus casting out an unclean spirit. It's sandwiched between verse 12, Satan tempts Jesus. Verse 14, Jesus proclaims that the kingdom is at hand and a call for repentance. And then, verses 29, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and Jesus healing many who were sick, diseased or demon-possessed. And as you read the Gospel of Mark, these accounts happen time after time. There's healing, preaching, teaching, miracles, deliverance, and even the elements obey Jesus too. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Jesus has the authority. He is in complete control. So here is our challenge. Are we playing our part? Are we disciples Are we hearers of the word and not doers? James chapter 1 verse 22. Are we just onlookers to what's happening when Jesus gives us authority too? The challenge for us this morning is not to sit on the sidelines watching, but to be a disciple and participate in the action. Despite all that we're living through at the moment, the Lord Jesus wants us to be part of his team and participate in the action. Are we accepting the authority of Jesus in our lives, trusting that he is in full control? Are we playing our part as disciples of Jesus or just being an onlooker? Have we given our lives to Jesus? The passage today certainly introduces us to the fact that there's another kingdom, that of darkness. Tim Keller, in his study on Mark, says, for the first time, we come to see that the alternative to having Jesus as a master is to have some other false and enslaving power as master. Not everyone is personally possessed by a demon like this man who has lost complete psychological control of himself. But Paul speaks in Ephesians chapter 6, and elsewhere, that there is that, in another sense, we are fighting demonic principalities all the time. Jesus has the authority. He has given us authority too. Let's not just be onlookers. So I'd like to conclude with some verses from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, which says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are in control and have complete authority in spite of whatever's happening around us today. We put our hope and trust in you. We give ourselves to you today. We love you, Lord. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit. And you might want to hold your hands out to receive from the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. May we play our part. Use us, Lord, for your glory.